Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters to go. You are listening to Satellite Sisters. I'm Leanne Dolan here today with you in Pasadena, California. It's May 17th, and I'm here with my sister Julie Dolan in Dallas, Texas. Good morning, Julie. How are things there? Hi, Leanne. You know, I just I have been pondering something I read this morning in the paper. I don't know what to do. Do you realize there is a surplus of cheddar cheese in the United States? There are now three pounds of extra cheddar cheese per every American in the United States. How did that happen? I don't know, Leanne. People, well, people like cheddar cheese, and uh, we got a, we got a big surplus. <laughs> I feel like I'm doing my part here to <laughs> to whittle too. down the surplus. Me too. People, you got to start eating some cheese. How are you, Leanne? How are you? I, I am fantastic. I had uh, just a really fun weekend. Uh, it actually started Thursday night, went all the way through Sunday. It was sort of an arts and culture blockbuster weekend. So I'm going to tell you all about that because I did it all. TV, books, music, theater. It was like bang, bang, bang. It was tons of fun. So I'm going to tell you about that today. And you were at a wedding. We're going to hear about that, right? Yes, Leon. Uh, this is this is a, an inspiring wedding story. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> oh, good. All it's right. inspiring, Leon. Yes. Okay, we're going to hit some news stories, too. There's a lot of backlash against the TSA happening, and uh, we've got that. Also, the Russian doping scandal, which it's only going to get worse if it ever gets better. We're going to talk about that. Uh, Julie has a study on um, what's better to have, a boy or a girl, if you want your marriage to last. We'll talk about that. Yeah. I have some tips for regaining your concentration. Because let's <laughs> well, face it, we've all lost it, haven't we? We are. We're drifting away, Leanne. And I, I can use any tips that you have. And then the Satellite Sisters have a confession to make. A certain politician was busted for acting as his own publicist this week in, uh-huh. the, in the finest news story of this election cycle. And, you know, some of us are guilty. Some yes. of us are guilty of that. So we're, so we're having a big confession at the end of the podcast. Excellent, Leon. Okay. Now, uh, Julie, how was the wedding? Was All right. This is, this is my good friend, Jan. We, have been, uh, we met in college. We've been friends since then. She is part of the group that I go, you know, every, you know, every year. We go, do a women's weekend together. She, you know, and she was getting married. So how about that, Leanne? That is good. And yeah. one of the things, you know, I would call this the no spring chicken wedding. As, you know, our mother used to have that expression. It, it's not really that nice, but she would see someone and she would say, well, that woman is no spring chicken, right? But uh, <laughs> it's not, it's not nice right. at all. I don't nice even know what that means. But it <laughs> means that, that the, the bride and groom are both, were both in their 60s, okay? So that's pretty interesting and amazing. The bride, in, in this case, the happy couple, not only were they happy, they were deliriously happy, Leanne. I mean, one of the things that was amazing about this wedding was how there was so much joy. They were so excited to be getting married, and they're with, and you could see that they have so much, 
you know, love and joy for each other, that it was really very inspiring. And it's also very inspiring at this point in our lives to see this sort of very bold move, you know, to get married. Because as the universal minister said that the groom had qualified for Medicare before he actually even got married. So that that doesn't happen often, you know? So so that's that's pretty good. I mean, both of these people are grown adults. They have lived, you know, lived their lives and they found each other, you know, uh, and and they just made this bold commitment to each other. So I think it was very inspiring for all that witnessed this wedding. And, you know, it just was, you know, made me think about just, you know, you want to live your life to the fullest. And I think this couple was was doing that. The other benefit, now that's enough about the happy couple. Lady. Right. And they, yeah. they were very happy. <laughs> but, but the other part about weddings is it's always about you, you know, going to the wedding. You are always thinking about, well, how am I going to get to the wedding? What am I going to wear? You know, what am I, what am I going to have to eat at the wedding? And one of the things that has happened now, I know this has happened to you, despite the fact that you are the youngest sister, is um, that we end up at the old people's table, right, Leanne? I know. It's, it's bad. We're old people now. And it, I don't know how that happened, it's you know, because so we, don't, we don't feel like old people. I mean, I just don't, I just don't identify as old people. Well, that was one of the great things about this wedding was that everyone at the wedding, everyone that came to the wedding was an old people. <laughs> or, uh, <laughs> So we didn't feel like old people, you know, it was like, there was no old people table. I mean, there actually, there was one aunt who was 90 and Jan's mother is in her 80. Um, But pretty much everyone else was, if you looked into this like party, you would have said, oh, that's a party of old people. But we didn't think we were old people at this party. We weren't dancing like we were old people at this party. We were singing and, and everybody was having a wonderful time. So I really enjoyed that, and I enjoyed not being an old people at a wedding. So, you know, that's funny, Julie, because I I was at a birthday dinner for a friend last night at, at a great new restaurant downtown, and we did a little poll of how old do we all feel. And this was I'm probably the youngest in the group, or near the youngest. So, you know, women in their fifties, and uh, everyone said about twenty five. <laughs> Like just randomly around the table, it was still in college. I think I said 32, but other people were solidly in their twenties mentally. That's how old they felt. 25. So that's, I think we're 40. I am yeah, just 40 years old and I went to a nice wedding. Uh, So that was, it was all in all, it was a very sort of inspiring and hopeful um, and fun experience to be there. And I'm, you know, obviously, I, you know, I'm really glad I could uh, be there for uh, my dear, dear, dear good friend. So that was the good. That's the good news, Leanne. Yeah. Now, I have some other news. This is just a warning. <laughs> can I, can I t- tell, talk to you about TSA? If you're planning any travel this summer, you're going to a wedding, you're going to a graduation, summer vacation, I suggest you leave your house right now and go get it. <laughs> In line. Go get in the security lines. I, I mean, you you know, this has been a big issue that just headline came out news. this it's week. This is, this is, you know, that, I mean, it's really been 
It's tragic when you see what's happening at some big airports like O'Hare where people are missing their flights because they are standing in a security line. These are people that are not getting to their business meetings or not getting to the weddings or graduations because they're standing uh, standing in line. That the wait time has really spiked. It's not your imagination. You know, in some cases, it's as much as two hours, which is really crazy. You know, it's a, you know, I think they consider it like 20 minutes is supposed to be manageable for most people, but that is not the case. And here's the other thing, you know, TSA always says, oh, well, they really recommend that you um, sign up for pre-check. So the TSA pre-check so that you can go in that fast line and keep your shoes on. You don't have to take everything off, but guess what? So we, you know, we went uh, to Philadelphia. Well, the pre-check line was closed, Leanne. So I got a little stamp. I got a little green sticker on my boarding pass, which meant I could keep my shoes on, but I still had to wait in a line for 45 minutes. Uh, so, so I don't, I don't know why they're encouraging people to sign up for TSA uh, pre-check if they don't have any of the stations open, Leanne. Well, Julie, you know there's this new social media campaign out there that uh, it's an industry organization uh, mainly comprised of airport of airlines. So the yeah. airlines have gotten together basically to gang up and to rile up the public against TSA. To force the idea would be to force TSA into improving procedure and hiring more people. And their whole their whole thing seems to be get more dogs on. Get more dogs on the line. They need more dogs. Really? Fewer people, okay. more dogs. That's their whole thing. Because if they just had some bomb-sniffing dogs, people wouldn't have to undress at TSA because yeah. the dogs would sniff them out. So this is a hashtag they're encouraging people to use. It's hashtag I hate the wait. Okay. And it's I- been trending worldwide since they launched okay. it last Friday. But I, I really think, like, I'm not sure having people voice a lot of anger towards the TSA in these airport lines is really a great idea. I don't think you're going to get approved for a TSA pre-check if you, if you're like, if your Twitter feed, Twitter account uh, is, is very busy with the, I hate the wait. I hate the wait. And you know, I mean, and people are hating it. They are using it and they are posting photos. I know. I I think it would just make it the experience worse. Now, maybe have feeling like you have a voice in the airport is important, but it does but you really to... don't. You don't it's you, you don't. really don't. It's like the Catholic Church land. You don't really don't have a voice in the Catholic Church. Yeah. It's exactly right. <laughs> and so just you have to submit. You have to understand that, right? Going in. So there's right. no point. Yeah. So it's not can... a democracy at, yeah. at the airports. Right. You can tweet all you want, but it's only gonna rile up the masses, I think. And then yeah. the other thing they're doing, which would rile me up, they're trying to entertain people in the line. So they on the news today they showed like a quartet, a classical string quartet playing at the Atlanta airport. Okay, oh, I would oh. smash that cello over someone's head. <laughs> I was standing in line for two hours, and they thought I was going to be placated by cello music. That would make me nuts. Okay? I'm with with you on that, Leanne. I'm with you on that. But I do think the actual traveling public has to assume some of the blame. Because some people are idiots going through that line. I mean, let's just say it. Like... I know that it is tricky because you go into different airports and every airport seems to have their own protocol. 
So yes, they do. Yes, step, they do. Shoes on, shoes off, bag in, bag out, do this, do that. And sometimes the TSA agents are yelling at you in a way that you don't really appreciate after you've stood right. in line for two hours. On the other hand, take the change out of your pocket. <laughs> I mean, come on. I know, I know. I mean, but a lot of people don't travel a lot, Leanne. And it is, it is, you know, it is very bewildering. You know, I mean, it, it is, it's, so it's a lot. You TSA for Mr. Yes. Change, Changey McChange Pants. Going Mr. Mr. Bojangles, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Maybe the giant belt buckle, sir, is the problem. And yeah, you could leave your guns at home. Yeah. With the loaded guns. That's, that's a big help too. Well, and no, you can't take that giant bottle of champagne through. I don't. Is it four ounces? No, it's not four ounces. No, it's three ounces. Three ounces, Leanne. So, so. whatever. Yeah. So it's just. So I feel like could all of this be better? Yes. Should people move a little faster? Does it make you a little crazy sometimes to yeah. stay in there? Absolutely. Yeah. Should you miss a plane? Never. You know, you shouldn't. I know. I, there, mean, I thought, I thought I, I just, I asked the people around me because of course I'm a Dolan. So we were there early. So I could do the 45 minutes in line. I thought my husband was going to, I, I really oh. thought that there was smoke coming out of I this can't. year. Can yeah, you no, imagine if not... a cello had started playing at that moment? <laughs> no, it wouldn't have been good. It, I, I really had to talk him down. Yeah, I just had to talk him down because he was he was really upset about that. But I did ask the person in front behind me. I said, "Are you in a rush?" Because I mean, I think that if if you're, I don't want people to miss a plane. I wasn't going to miss a plane, and if the woman right behind me. You know, if she w had a close connection, I was going to let her go through. I yeah. think that we could do that. You know, we don't need the cello playing, though. So, <laughs> but I, I would leave for the airport right now if you're, if, <laughs> if, if you got a flight this week. That's what you should do. Hashtag, so. I hate the wait. I hate the wait. <laughs> All right, Julie, I had four fantastic days of arts and culture. Well, Is good that, for you, Am I doing Leah. that now or are we doing Yes, you are doing okay. it right now. Um, so I just want to fill you in on some really fun things that I did this weekend. And uh, then maybe you'll understand why I didn't get around to watching Outlander. Because <laughs> we don't have an Outlander report today. So on Thursday, I had TV, books, music, and theater. Thursday night, Liz and I went to see a panel discussion, a short, small panel discussion with James Corden and his executive producers. You know, he's the super talented British guy that is on the Late Late Show now. His carpool karaoke has been this gigantic, successful um, viral sensation. Uh, and I discovered him, Leon. I okay. feel that I personally discovered him because I saw him in London in a play. And then I saw him in the play that he won the Tony award for in the U S he's, he is hilarious and so talented. And he just has that sort of really, I don't know, that super nice appealing personality, right? Well, I'll tell you this. Liz is a member of the television Academy. So, um, which I guess you just apply for Like she thought, <laughs> Like, Why don't you apply, Leon? Because I don't actually you watch work. A lot, you watch a lot of TV. I watch a lot of TV. You're right, Julia. I, I don't know if that's a qualification. But um, so she got, so it's all this pre-Emmy voting stuff okay. now. This is what they're trying to do. They're trying to appeal to TV Academy members uh, to vote for them, nominate them for Emmys. So this Liz had been to a Veep panel, and I couldn't go to that. But then she asked me to go to this, the James Corden thing. So we went. Of course, we were 
two hours early, had to stand in line, even though we had tickets. We were like the 10th person through the door. We got good seats and we got a nice glass of wine. So we enjoyed that at seven o'clock at night. And so this was really geared towards the TV press. It was a reporter from the New York Times moderating it. And Julie, everything you think about James Corden is true. He Aww. is humble. He is hardworking. He is smart. He is creative. He and his executive producer have been great friends for years. He's British. They had worked together a little bit on British TV where they had done the original carpool karaoke with George Michael, like a you know, a precursor to what you see now on TV. But what was amazing was he just clearly loves doing the show, and he just mm-hmm. kept saying, I have an hour on network television every day. We are going to try to make it the best, most exciting, most ambitious hour we can on TV because that is a great gift. And, you know, a lot of times performers say that and you don't believe them, but you do believe, I did believe it with him. Like he genuinely loves doing the show. Their goal, he said, was to make it as ambitious and entertaining as possible every single night. And you can see they do like incredible things on that show. They do, you know, musical numbers, parody songs, filmed tape pieces. You know, they tape the show at people's houses. They, you know, he's interviewing. I, I need to tape that because I, I, other than carpool karaoke, I, I don't stay up to watch the show, obviously. Uh, so, but I, I need to put that, record that show. Record okay. it on your record. And it's funny you should say that because his executive producer, who I have to say was adorable. Um <laughs> Just like a, like a teeny book. tiny crush on him, Liam. Adorable. Ben, uh, he, he said, no one is a bigger James Corden fan than James Corden. And he yeah. can, even he can't stay up till 1237. <laughs> so they said the way they think of it is just like, that's when the show debuts, but they understand that people are watching it at all times of the day and night. And, uh, that's what we do. We tape the show, we DVR it, and then we watch it like at five in the afternoon when I'm cooking. Oh, really? Okay. That's yeah. what I do, Leah. No, yeah. That's excellent suggestion. The kids love it. But what, what came through was like, he is just a little content, creative content factory. Like he is thinking all the time about that show and what can I do and how can I make it better? And he, this was a Thursday night and he said, you know, my day tomorrow at 8 a.m. I'm going to be in a dance class at, you know, 10 a.m. I'm taping a carpool karaoke, which debuted last night. It was Demi Lovato and, and uh, Nick Jonas. And then he was taping two shows that day. And then, yeah, I mean, that's like a single day. And then yesterday he was doing, have you seen him do the crosswalk musical where he actually puts on a musical on the street outside of CBS studios? (laughs) Oh, I haven't. Oh my gosh. He he did grease. He did grease like in a crosswalk. And yesterday they taped the lion King. (laughs) Okay. Okay. See, I want to, I want to see it. Okay. I'm telling you, if you're not watching that show or taping it, do. If you are, know that he is every bit as charming uh, off screen as on. And he did tell the first carpool karaoke story because it's become such a sensation. They said they called every single human being in the music (laughs) business in Los Angeles to try to get him to do the first one. Uh He said, name a singer. The answer was no. Name a singer. The answer was no. And it was Mariah Carey that said yes. Her executive producer had come in even before the show started. It was on the second show. Her executive producer had come in uh, for like a meet and greet. And James showed them the the one they had done with George Michael in England like two years ago, which is George Michael driving around singing stuff. And she goes, huh, let me ask Mariah if she wants to do this. And 
came back, yes, she wants to do it. So they got in the car, and the first thing Mariah Carey says, oh, I don't really want to sing today. Let's just let's just chat. And he's like, oh, my gosh. And he's in the car alone. You know, he's not, yeah, right. he's not with anybody. And he said, that's the really interesting thing about these huge stars is they are used to being surrounded by entourages at all moments of the day and night, especially when they're working, like on set, uh-huh. hair, makeup, producers, this, agents. But, and that's the crazy thing is in the car, it's really just the two of them. So he said, I got Mariah Carey. I don't think she doesn't want to sing. And I think, well, I do. So I'm just going to have to go for it and hope she joins in. And that's what he did. And if you kind of rewatch that one after, you can see she's sort of a little reluctant, like, and then she gets into it. But he just has a tremendous sense of fun. And like his whole attitude is just go for it creatively. So I totally admired that. It was great. And he was in that movie, Begin Again, which he was really wonderful in too, Liam. That's, do you remember that? James oh, I don't remember him in that. Oh, I yes, he was. He was the friend, you know, oh. he, well, in the apartment. Yes, of Liam. Of course. Okay. okay. Again, as I discovered uh, James Corden, I know okay. all about him. <laughs> well, many people who watched his huge hit, Gavin and Stacey, feel like they discovered James Corden. But that's okay, Jewel. You stick okay. with that. Okay. Well, that's, that is great to know, Leanne. That's, that's a really to do for this week. uh, Put that on your DVR list or just if you stay up at 1237, you can watch it live. All right. Then Friday, Saturday, I was a featured author at the Literary Guild of Orange County Festival of Women Authors. And this is an event that's been going on for 23 years. It's just a community of book lovers in Orange County that put on this event. They take their work very seriously they vet all the authors. They flew authors in from all over. They came to see me speak before they asked me to to be on the to be on the uh, panel of authors, and it was fantastic. Four hundred book lovers. Isn't that nice? That's great. Really, it's so nice. It's so nice. And pe- I don't, you know what? All they talked about books. Books they had read. Books they yes. loved. Books they just talked about books all the time, and they had read all different kind of books. And so it was really a pleasure to be there. Thanks to Jackie, who is my, my hostess and escort and her fantastic book club from Long Beach. We sat with them at lunch. I was the keynote afternoon speaker. How and- did that go? Cause you were worried about that, Lena it was after lunch, you know, that's hard to like get, you know, get it going again. So, well, uh- this is what I told the women in the morning, uh, the group, I said, I want, I understand there's wine at lunch. I want you to have enough wine so that I'm very funny, but not so much wine that you go to sleep. And <laughs> that seems to work. So, and for me, it was kind of my last speaking engagement. Mm-hmm. I've been doing a lot since October, since you're the best came out. So this was it. So I was Happy to be there with this super supportive crowd. Some really great authors were there. I am going to share their author pages and their works on my Facebook page and stuff over the coming weeks because I I was introduced to new authors and some other authors I had met before and people writing fiction and mystery and nonfiction and from Austin and Boston and Northern California and all over. So it was really, really fun. I'd like it to- is if you like to read, if you enjoy books, it is really fun to go to an author's conference. I, I you know, I had not done that until I went to the Pulpwood Queens one this year, Leanne. And I I, I can understand that. It's very exciting to meet so many different authors, to hear about their writing process, to hear about what inspires them, you know, and what their backstories are. So it's a fun thing to do. Yeah, it was inspiring for me to hear. Uh, Mm -hmm. One, Meg Gardner, who I had met before, she's a mystery writer, 
who lives in Austin, but her mysteries are set in Santa Barbara where she grew up. She basically gave like an MFA class in the morning, like 45 minutes, like how to write fiction. It was a fantastic little 45-minute talk. Absolutely great. So lots of good authors. Look for those over the coming weeks. I'll be posting more about their books. Okay, so then I drive home Saturday night right into the belly of the beast. Uh, Beyonce is playing at the Rose Bowl. <laughs> now, and you, you live above the Rose Bowl. Right above the Rose Bowl. And I didn't have tickets to the concert because I knew I was going to be at this Orange County event. Uh, but that didn't matter because it was loud and clear at my house. So I Really? Oh, you just sit in your backyard and just listen to, the, to Queen Bay there? That's exactly what I did, Julie. I just sat out in the backyard, listened for the first couple songs, then I went up, got in bed, you know, opened my windows and fell asleep to Beyonce. Fantastic. Oh. <laughs> Good work. Perfect. I think that's a great way to see a concert. It is. Lying down in bed. I like it. My friends who were there said it was a fantastic, fantastic show. So, so great. great. All good. And then, uh, and then finally Sunday night, uh, it was just the completing the home run there of culture and arts. We went to the theater in Los Angeles to see a new play by Susie Lauren Parks. Or, I'm sorry, Susan Lauren Parks, who can really, really write. She wrote Top Dog Underdog a couple years ago. And this play was called Father Comes Home from Wars. Uh -huh. Julie, it was so good. Holy oh, cow. She okay. She's an amazing writer. It was a, you know, drama set during the Civil War, but it had classical overtones and it had contemporary language. And she just can write her way around anyone. Fantastic play, fantastic acting. It was closing night, so the actors seemed particularly inspired. And clearly lots of family members in the audience at the curtain call. There were lots of pointing and hugs in the audience and stuff like that. Absolutely wonderful. So if that play is coming to yeah, a theater do, uh, do, near you. Do you have any idea if it's going on the road I, with I that? tried to take a look and I don't, I didn't, couldn't find oh. any indication. It's, it won the OB and shortlisted for the Pulitzer in 2015. Wow. This was the West Coast debut here at the Center Theater Group. And so I, I look forward to a rep, a good rep theater near you. It's an amazing, amazing play. Fantastic. Just, she's also a singer and songwriter. So there was music incorporated. A lot of her language sounds like spoken word, almost rap, and the actors, because of the classical overtone, there was sort of a chorus thing happening, and oh, it was just absolutely fantastic. I have to say, when we walked in and the guy behind me said, you know it's a two-hour and 45-minute play, <laughs> oh, right? On Sunday night, right. after you had such a big, uh, right. big weekend. Right. We were mesmerized. There was okay. no well, chance it. that we were leaving at intermission. Like, okay. It was that's that no snoozing? There no was no snoozing. snoozing. Okay. You know, Barrack's eyes closed for a second, but then... <laughs> And he was back up. Was yeah, that's what my husband says. He's deep in thought, you know, <laughs> deep in prayer. Sometimes he uses that line. Yeah. So there you go. TV, books, music, theater. Uh, four days, four spectacular events. So, wow, Leanne. You, yeah. you take a rest. Take a rest now. I don't I know. Am. I don't know how you can top that. That seems good. Well, well, you were getting all that culture, Leanne. I was at home and I was I was digging deep into this Russian sports doping story. Oh, you know, this came out. I haven't been following. I, I've seen the headlines, but I haven't I haven't okay. spent any time understanding the scope. This is this is really this is really good, Leanne. And um, I, I mean, the the minister of sports uh, this past week came out and said, "Oops, we're a little sorry," uh, but that that is uh, but that's about all the Russians have admitted to. But this was. 
this uh, this and this refers to the Sochi Olympics that this sta- this was state sponsored doping and the way that they know this is because Grigory Rodchenkov who was the director the Russian director of the anti-doping lab, he's the one that spilled the beans to the New York Times in a series of lengthy um, articles and interviews. And it involves dozens of athletes that participated in the Sochi, Sochi Games. So biathletes, bobsledders, the entire women's hockey team, Leanne, cross country, that they believe that you know many of the medals that were won, um, at least one third of the Russian medals that were won at the Sochi Olympics were awarded to a- athletes that were participating in this anti, you know, in this uh, doping thing. So it's very serious, and it was lo- and it was wide scale, and it was sponsored by the state. And the reason they know this, or the, according to Returning to Dr. Dr. G. I'll just call him Dr. G. <laughs> this good. is sort of this is sort of a high low story because some of some of the things they did to um to you know to be able to dope the athletes and not not have it caught in you know in the testing because all the um all the athletes are tested was sort of some of it was high technology, but some of it was like surprisingly low low technology. Okay, the first thing was well, it was all done in Russia. So you just got to imagine that that's, you know, that just provides the Russian state apparatus a lot of opportunities right there. And they kept all the athletes. They would test the athletes, and then they had a storage room where they kept all the samples. This was a secure room, except for the fact that there was a storage room just beyond this secure area. And they had like drilled a hole in the wall down at the basement, just a little hole. And then they had a white plastic cup land that they put over the hole. That was it. That was, that was the whole thing. And then they had a little faux wooden table, a little bureau that they stuck in front of the, you know, the hole with the plastic cup. And so each night they would, the Dr. G would get a list from somebody to say that you need to switch the samples. So we had, let's say, 12 or 15 athletes, and he would get all their their urine samples, and he would stick the bottles through this little hole oh in the wall, Leon. Okay, so that's the low part. Okay, that's the low part. But here's the high-tech part is because – the urine samples are kept in bottles that are made by the, by this uh, company in Switzerland. They are like, it's like this, they are, it's, they're so high tech. They have a seven digit code cap on there. They have a spring and they have metal rings. And that if you try in any way to tamper with this bottle, it's going to be obvious. I mean, it's, it's just impossible. I mean, even they have quotes from the New York times from like us Olympic people saying like, even if they tried to tamper the bottles, you couldn't get into the bottles without, without, you know, breaking this, these glass rings that they have. But somehow, and they believe it was the KGB, has figured out some way to open these sample bottles, okay? And then they dumped out, they dumped out the urine of the athletes, and they would um, then uh, put all the little bottles back in the hole and send them back over into the secure area. And then Dr. G and his team would refill 
these bottles with untainted urine that they collected from the athletes month, months earlier. And then these athletes would be able to pass the, um, the doping tests. Unbelievable. I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing how widespread it was. It was amazing that they had a list of athletes, that they had this hole in the wall. And then it is amazing that they somehow, the KGB figured out how to, not KGB, but probably FSB, how to open these uh, supposedly tamper-proof uh, little glass bottles. I mean, so, that's a lot of people working on this for a long yes, time and then qu- keeping them. quiet about it. I mean, keeping that's quiet. the, uh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But they have pictures of the little hole in the wall and of the plastic cup that they covered the hole with. So, um, and the little table that they would put in front of it. And that's what they did for the Olympics. So well, you now, can see now why, why athlete federations are calling for the Russians to be banned from Rio I, because I mean, you couldn't I, possibly trust them. Yeah, yeah, and 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 track and field. Now, as we get into the summer games, you know they, you know that that already has the reputation of, you know, that many people. This is this is pretty common that they've, you know, that there have been claims of doping uh, associated with track and field. So I don't know. I don't know if they're gonna if the Russians are gonna be able to set up the same kind of operation. And this this Swiss company is that makes the bottles is like totally baffled and they've been using this system for a number of games and nobody has ever been able to tamper with the bottles except for the Russians. Later. Right. Well, maybe so. no one ever put like their state secret police on it, you know? Right. I know. <laughs> I mean, I... a couple guys at USA track and field trying to open the bottles. Oh, well, but the yeah. No, they had like, it's very high tech. However they did it, they were able, the bottles would come back in and the caps would be just placed on them very loosely. So, but there, I mean, if you look at the, and I did, I did study the bottles. I mean, it's impossible because of the way they have these glass teeth and the seven and the codes and the digits that you would, that you couldn't just like, you couldn't do it in any crude way. They think maybe it was a high heat method they put the bottles through. I don't know. They don't know. But that's what they suspect. Well, unbelievable. It is an unbelievable story. And, I mean, as if the summer games in Rio did not have enough problems I already, I mean, this um, this is a big issue. Now, of course, they you know, the Ministry of Sports has said, you know, they're sorry for any small things. They're denying this state-sponsored doping thing. And they are disavowing everything that Grigory Rodchenkov um, has said about it. But okay. he had such detail right. about it. It's very credible. Okay. Julie, I know you'll keep your eye on that. I am that going part. to stay on this story. Stay, stay on yes. top of it for yes, the indeed. Russian sports desk, yes. Julie Dolan. Yes. Thank you. Yes. All right, Jewel, we, let's just admit it. None of us can concentrate anymore. Okay. <laughs> According to a story, a study released by Microsoft last year, they discovered that the average attention span is now eight seconds. Eight <laughs> seconds. Eight seconds? Mm-hmm. Oh, so, I know. That is really bad. And yes. uh, so Health Magazine this month had four ways to concentrate again. It's like, let's just admit that we you know, can't concentrate anymore. Okay. And okay. I, I like this lane. I think that's good. We're yeah. Just... And I was, I'm, I'm thinking about it because I have to like 
now that all my speaking is done and everything, I'm going back into just write, write, write mode for the next six weeks. And it is very tempting when you're sitting home alone in your sweatpants trying to write a novel to then spend all day watching cat videos. It <laughs> is very possible that I could do you that. You just drift away, Lynn. Okay. So, so it caught my eye how to concentrate again. Okay. The first one is just take a break. You're supposed to give yourself two short breathers over the course of an hour. And it may sound counterintuitive, but researchers say that periodic diversions make it easy to zero in on one thing for a longer amount of time. Because if you're staring at, say, your taxes or an Excel spreadsheet or a set of facts that you're supposed to memorize, your brain actually gets used to it. So you need to go stimulate, you know, get up, get a drink of water, run around the house, come back, and then you can refocus your brain. Okay. So that's easy to do, right? That's- okay. Taking breaks. I'm good at that, land. Okay. Yeah. Check. I got it, land. Well, here's it. the key for us. Taking breaks should not involve like eating chips. That's my, <laughs> so I have to find some other stimulus. Oh, I, I can't open the refrigerator and yeah. just. What's in the refrigerator is not a brain stimulus. Okay. Here's the other thing, Julie, just turn off your cell phone. We've talked about this before at Satellite Sisters. Even the presence of a cell phone like messes with people's minds. The, the text they don't read is just as interfering in their comfort and their, in their yep. concentration as the text they do read. So it is like, turn off the cell phone, put it away, get it away from you. Right. And that's, I think that's true. More and more, I'm trying to be very mindful of that. I wasn't a cell phone person. You all mocked me. I got a mm-hmm. smartphone and mm-hmm. now I can check my email at 24 hours a day and it's stupid. So uh, I'm trying <laughs> just to keep the cell phone at use at bay. Okay. Multitasking. How many things do you really think you can do at once, Julie? When you think about it, like probably three, three, three. I think it's three. Three. Is that, is, is that possible or no? It's two. It's two. (laughs) If you're, if you're doing three, you're doing one thing poorly. Okay. Well, that's, you didn't say you, that wasn't, you didn't say that in your question. I wasn't saying I was doing it well. I mean, I could like cook and talk on the phone and, Look at the, look at the, I don't, I do, you know, watch TV. Yeah. You can't do all those, even though people do and they try, according to a study in science magazine in 2010, your brain can really only handle two big tasks simultaneously. Okay. So you can multitask, but just doing two things. So let's keep that in mind. And I hope my sons are listening when I see them. They are like, they are... (laughs) I mean, it's just amazing how many things they think they can do at once. I, well, I know this is when people are texting and walking yeah. and talking. Yeah. Or how I, about I, texting and driving or, you know, even talking on the phone and driving. That's only, that's two. That's all you can do. Right. And then the other third thing is just practice mindfulness. Okay. This goes back to the Buddhist technique of deep breathing and focus. Okay. And if you're trying to refocus your brain, taking a couple of deep, steady breaths, and concentrating on the inhalations and the exhalations actually can help reset your mind. So if you find your mind wandering through the day and you need to get through something, a task, a couple of deep breaths, inhale, exhale, concentrate on it. There you go. So okay. take, take a break, turn off your cell phone, two things at a time, and deep, deep breathing. There you I go. like this, Leanne. I think I, I'm learning a lot in this podcast. Yeah. I'm getting, I, I, I like that. That's very good. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we all can use that. Yeah, yes. I mean, if, if, I we're, agree. Only, if we're only concentrating for eight seconds, eight seconds. I, even if you make it twenty, even if you try to like, like double that time, I mean, it's not good. That's not good. Okay, I want you to take a couple deep breaths. Okay, because I'm. I want to talk about something else that I read. It just 
sort of a startling story that it was in The, the Economist. Uh, it was data suggests that couples who have sons are more likely to stay together than those who don't. Okay, that was the headline. Okay, this is a UC San Diego researcher. He noticed that for over a decade, he's been studying this, that that men are more likely to marry the mother of their children and to stay married to a woman who bore, bore them sons than if the, the you know if than if they had girls. They're, they are they further research says they are more inclined to propose to the mother of their child if they know that the baby in utero is is a, is a boy. They are less they are less prone to get divorce. The divorce patterns are such that if the first child is a boy, you're less likely to get divorced. And a man with sons is more likely to seek custody in a divorce setting, uh, setting than if it, if it's um, you know if they're girl girl ch- children. So you know this is this is sort of a counter because you never hear people say you know I I want to have a boy or you know I prefer boys to girls. I mean you talk to. I, I think most people they want to have a healthy baby. You right. know, boy, you know, boy or girl, it does not matter. But as researchers find through, you know, through research that they conduct in marriage therapy and counseling sessions, that men, this is when men admit that they really want bo- they want boys, that they really would have preferred, you know, boy children. That was that's important to them. And so researchers are like, well, why is this happening? Well, I mean. Number one, they think it's because of sort of a mini-me phenomenon that, you know, that that men just prefer boys. They feel like if they have a son, they're a little more invested in kind of getting it right with the son. Mm-hmm. Like maybe they made mistakes in their life or, you know, maybe their father made mistakes with them and they just, you know, they feel like they want to get it right with their son. They have something naturally in common just because they're the same gender and that they and that for for many men it is easier they they the research says that it's easier for them to bond with baby boys than it is to bond with baby girls isn't that and that cuz men me sad for I know I know that for those I know girls. And they also say that because men you know many men adult men have fewer relationships like friendships with other men that they when they have a son they see this son as someone that they can pal around with, that they can do fun things with, you know? So, and, you know, again, no one, no one like admits that they say that, you know, they don't want girls, but what one of the big, you know, one of the big pressures on any marriage is the burden of, of parenting. And that can create tension and that, with you know that and particularly in marriages where you know the uh, the wife will feel like she is doing all the parenting and the husband is less involved well they find when men you know have are parenting boys the men are more involved that they may appear more cooperative that they may be more attentive at home because they're more interested in the boy child you know that sons make fathers feel more useful you know that mm. You know, well, you see, like with a newborn, you know, it's very easy for the mother and the baby to uh, to bond, and sometimes the father doesn't really know what their role is. Um, but uh, you know, with with sons, you know, this that there is something more natural, and it may be that the mothers may feel more inept parenting a son than than they do parenting a daughter. 
you know. Oh, so they let the father in. Yeah, they let the father in and that they, you know, it's more cooperative. You know, well, girls may make it easier for mothers to ditch uh, disappointing husbands. Like if you are, if you have a disappointing husband and you're thinking of leaving a marriage and you have girl and you have daughters, you may feel like you could handle it better. I don't know. But it was, it was just. I, I don't know. It was, it just caught my eye. I mean, I don't know, you know, it's sad. It seems to me in all cases that there would be this preference that researchers are seeing and that that preference be for men to have uh, sons is impacting, you know, is impacting whether people get married and whether they stay married. And even after, you know, even if they get divorced, what happens in terms of um, the, you know, childcare? Really unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. So that was. Because men know. who have daughters, they seem to look. I mean, I'm sure that you know they they're so uh, emotional about their daughters. I yeah. I, I know. I'm thinking of you know the men I know about talking about their daughters. This is a very different relationship they would have with the boy. But okay, Julie, that's okay. an interesting fact. I'm just bringing that bringing that to our attention, Liam. All right. Uh, let's see what's happening. You know, you can always find us at SatelliteSisters.com. If you're new to the Satellite Sisterhood, welcome. We have lots of shows that are available at our website, SatelliteSisters.com, also at iTunes or the podcast app or Stitcher. Lots of shows available, years and years of Satellite Sisters. Um, we are doing an Instagram contest. So in honor of our book, You're the Best, a Celebration of Friendship, we're celebrating all the times you and your friends come together this spring. If it's a graduation party or a bridal shower or a wedding or a college reunion or a high school get-together, we would love to see your pictures on Instagram and on Facebook. Our Instagram is at Sat Sisters, and the hashtag you want to use is Sat Sisters YTB. Sat Sisters, you're the best. Uh, on Facebook, we have a Facebook group, and people have been sharing their photos, and there have been some fantastic multi generational shots. Yes, yeah, oh, I, I'm loving it. I mean, fun, you, yeah, you should, you should do it. Please post more. We love all the graduation right. pictures. We love, you know, all the get-togethers that people are having. This is a great time of year for it. So uh, please keep sharing those pictures. That's great. Okay, and so that's uh, Satsis. Sat Sisters YTB is the hashtag. You're the best is available at Amazon or at bookstores near you. Okay, Julie, um, we are taking a break from Atlanta this week because I just didn't get to it. So, well, you, you had me. you were very busy with the cultural stuff, so I'm not <laughs> okay. going to tell you anything, Leanne. Okay. You need to watch this episode, and all I right. think I think all that have seen this episode would agree that it's essential that you watch this episode. Okay, that's good to know. That's, you seem positive about it because mm -hmm. there was some waning interest, but you seem very positive. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, we do have a confession to make at the end of the show. Now, a politician this week, presidential candidate, uh, was busted basically for acting as his own publicist. Yes, so I know. Dug I know. up some tapes from the archives of him calling reporters, pretending to be someone else, yet sounding exactly like himself, <laughs> to pitch himself has a story. Yeah. And there have been many difficult stories in this election. And we try not to talk about politics here on Satellite Sisters because there are plenty of places that do. But this to me was just hilarious. Julie, 
because the truth is we have acted as our own publicists at various times. There are plenty of people who have posed as other people, pretended to be their assistant and took a took a call and said, oh, no, she's not here right now. Can I take a message? I mean, really, who hasn't gotten on the phone and pretended to be someone else? It's I know. I mean, we, we've had our executive producer has called in when we had our live, our live call in show. Yeah, just to get things going, Leanne, to just get right. it off, posing, off the ground. Posing as a guest, Corny Cole would call in because yes. we didn't have any callers in our initial shows. And so Corny would call. Call in. I can still picture her in the booth. It's just using a variety of voices. It's not, and as and as the presidential can, uh, candidate found out, it's difficult to disguise your voice. But um, and your speech patterns. And your speech pattern. We have we've had family members write reviews at Amazon.com, right. Leanne. I don't think we're the first authors no. that have ever used that ploy, right? No. I mean, when we do our books. We write our own Q and A's, like we're a publicist asking, <laughs> asking the author a question. But no, I write the Q's and I write the A's. <laughs> I write both the questions and the answers, and we post it like someone else has been incredibly curious about our book, and we had yes. to answer these questions. Yes. So I did say, I think it's a fairly harmless story that many, many people could relate to. Just posing as someone else on the phone. Kids who've called the high school to get themselves out of gym class. You know who you are, you know, pretending to be someone else on the phone. It's kind of a time-honored tradition. I don't really see any problem with that. (laughs) Okay. All right. What do you have planned for this week, Joel? Well, Lee and I, apparently I have to uh, record a lot of uh, James Corden shows. So uh, I got that going on, Lee. And it's the end of the year, you know, for... For the school year, uh, so there's a lot of I, I like it because there are a lot of activities where grandparents are involved for final piano recitals and final baseball games and award stuff. So I, I, I'm, I'm going to be pretty busy. How about yourself? Well, it is countdown to high school graduation here. Oh. Um, at, that will be happening Memorial Day weekend at my house. So my son is frantically wrapping up things. Miraculously, the <laughs> the the community service got done. Oh, I, I, I couldn't oh, even oh. speak about it. It was good, so good. painful. Yeah. And all I can say is one good reason he's going to college is I never have to say the words, have you finished your community service again? <laughs> that that's a chapter of my life. Well, I can see that it was a very, you know, positive good experience for you and your family. Yeah. That it, it really, it achieved all the educational goals it was intended to achieve. Right, Liam? Yes, Julie. Yes. So this week, finishing up a lot of stuff. He took some AP tests. He has some exams. The big film festival is this week. He's taking a film production class. So he's excited to see if his film gets nominated and then wins something. We'll go to that Thursday night. There's grad night. Yes, that's Maybe. nice. I like all the activities. It I is. Know it, is, it, is not, it is not too much. You should definitely, you know, I, you hear a lot of people say, oh, my gosh, but it's not too much. You go to all these things. So yeah. great. Yeah. No. Yeah. And then he has one more prom to go to. Not his prom. He's already been to that, but going with the same girl to her prom. So he's excited about that. And uh, and then, yeah, then we're wrapping it up. Hard to believe. So okay. then we're moving oh. into June. And that's, I just can't, I can't believe it. But um, yeah, and then June, we just are going to the Copa de America, the, the big soccer tournament that's happening in the United States. We're 
fully lined up to go to three games in June at the Rose Bowl. So that's okay. it. But first, that's- first high school graduation. So very excited for that. And I have been loving everyone's college graduation pictures. On I do Facebook. too. Love and more them. prom pictures. I'm lo- I love those prom pictures. Yeah. Put those and, up. Yeah. And now the high school graduations are going to start to see that. So that's exciting. So uh, that's what's happening here. All right. Have a fantastic week. And, you too, Liam. Um, I will talk to you soon. And don't forget, call your satellite sister.